This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there too. Welcome to It's Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today I have part two of my interview with Mike Ritland. If you didn't hear part one, you might want to scroll back and listen to part one first. But we'll jump right back in. We were talking to Mike uh, when we left off about his uh, assignment, his first team that he went to after SEAL team training. So we'll get back right to it here, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Was this, this was before 9-11, wasn't it? Yeah, so when I checked in the SEAL Team 3 in, uh, in the spring of 98. So at that time, there wasn't as much, obviously, you know, going on in, around the world as there was a few years later. But you guys were still be activated quite a bit. I think you did. I mean, you were probably bouncing around. Stuff that we didn't even hear about on the news, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, we, we stayed busy and did training, uh, a lot of training, and we did uh, some real-world stuff prior to 9-11. Uh, the USS Cole, uh, when it got bombed, we responded to that and then did some follow-on stuff afterwards. Uh, right after 9-11, I went to Jordan for a couple of months and uh, you know did some, some forward, forward staging stuff and then exercise training there that could have gone either way, I guess. Sure. But, um, but yeah, you know, the... the Prior to 9-11, there was definitely uh, a difference in terms of the mentality and, and kind of how how you viewed where our place was militarily and, and national defense-wise. Um, still busy, still a lot of training, still took it seriously. But without question, when 9-11 hit, it, it was a game changer uh, for all of us in, in terms of how, how we viewed our jobs and, and what we were going to be doing. It, yeah. uh, it, it got real serious real quick. I can imagine. Where were you on that day? So I was actually, I was at SEAL Team 3 um, in between platoons. Um, like I said, when, when they did that reorganization thing, that just kind of shuffled our deployment schedule a little bit. So I, I came home from a deployment in February of 2001, and then we weren't uh, scheduled or slated to start our next workup. Uh, as a as a team, all of our platoons at the same time until January of '02, and so we all went to to a bunch of different schools. I went yeah. to Intel schools and photography schools, yeah. and you know some other Intel schools that I can't talk about. Yeah. But, and actually, leading right up to 9/11, I actually was on on one of the same uh, flights from 9/11 wow. the, the night the night before, September 10th. I flew from the East Coast back to San Diego. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and, and literally, I got home super late on on September 10th, and uh, you know, the next morning I was getting up. I was on my way. The, fir the first tower had already been hit while I was getting ready to go to work, and then I was on Interstate Five South, heading heading towards uh, towards the command when I heard over the radio that the second wow. plane hit, yeah. and that's when I was like, "Holy shit!" You know, so I was, you know, balls deep in the in the operational world of, of being. Yeah, SEAL team and, and getting ready to start a platoon. So, so it was, a, it was a pretty pretty wild time to be there, but but a, a unique and you know for for me a time that I uh, I'm grateful for being where oh, I was I, when I was. I could imagine. I mean, ready to go go help. I could imagine. Like you said, probably a whole other episode if we were going to talk about deployments and stuff. But right after that, I'm sure everybody got spun up pretty quick, and then 
Um, you said you went to Iraq, uh, Jordan. Well, well, yeah, I went to Jordan right after nine yeah. eleven, and then and then. So we, I got back from Jordan, went right into the platoon workup in January, and uh, you know, so we're as we're going through our workup, we're watching other SEALs and special operations guys going into Afghanistan, operating and getting a lot of kind of real, yeah. real time, real world feedback, tactics, op, uh, yeah. operation wise. And then using a lot of that to kind of drive our training and methodologies. And yeah. But yeah, then we were, we were actually slated to go to uh, Southeast Asia, which we did and went to, uh, to the Philippines and worked with the Filipino seals that were going down South uh, to the, the Philippines are broken up into three main Island chains and the down in the South is called uh, Mindanao and Zambawanga, which was kind of the hub of, of a lot of Al-Qaeda affiliates, Abu Sayyaf yeah. and the Moro Islamic Liberation Front were the two main uh, Al-Qaeda affiliates um, that, that were in the Philippines that were running a lot of operations. So we worked with the Filipino SEALs, and, and then they would go down there and, and fight them. And then we bounced around Philippines, Guam, Hawaii, you know, all over the Southeast uh, Pacific, and then or Southeast Asia, and then... Uh, I, uh, Iraq was starting to heat up. This was in, you know, 2002, yeah. at the end of 2002. And so we ended up going to Kuwait in early 2003, uh, being spun up with the understanding that Iraq was probably going to kick off. And, uh, so we went there and, and, uh, staged out of the Kuwaiti naval base for uh, the better part of two months, getting ready for the first yeah. operation that we did, which was the, the oil platforms that we took down two days before the war started. Wow. Yeah, we, we did that. Uh, the entire SEAL Team 3, uh, all six platoons, did a, a joint operation at the same time, uh, all with, with one singular goal of, of shutting down a manifold metering station on land and securing these uh, 16, two 1,600-foot uh, gas and oil platforms that Saddam had been smuggling oil out of, uh, even though there were sanctions against yeah. it. And so uh, we did that all at once. Uh, came back to Kuwaiti Naval Base, packed our shit, went to Ali Asalim uh, Air Force Base in northern Kuwait, and then drove into Iraq uh, a day after the war started and went up to Nazaria and spent time in Nazaria and then up in Baghdad uh, doing some operations there and then ultimately up in the northern part of the uh, country in, in Tikrit where we took down Saddam's uh, palace, yeah. you know, which was pretty neat oh, yeah. towards the end of, of our time there. but. That would be cool. So you got to see the whole palace, I assume. And, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, you, I'd love to pick your brain about a lot of that stuff for a long time, but I guess we'll, uh, some dog questions at that time, were there many dogs in, in the country there that were working with you guys yet? Or was it? Um, no, no, there, there were very few. Um, and, and in fact, none, none that were working with us directly. Um, you know, and yeah. the, one, one of the interesting things about, the SEAL teams and, and really special operations as a, as a whole, you know, in, in Vietnam, there was pretty heavy use of working dogs within the special operations community. After that, uh, there, there were none. And so from post Vietnam until nine 11, there, there was no dog experience and, and you, and I, and I assume most listeners can probably ascertain that, you know, a, a dog team or a, a dog unit, you know, that, that's within a police force and military group what, what have you takes years uh to, to yeah. get from where you decide yeah. hey we're gonna have we're gonna have dogs to where you're actually using them at a level 
with which they're they're actually an asset and not sure. a liability yeah. that, that takes a long time and so you know for for several years i mean it wasn't really until uh, about oh four or so when when they really st- were starting to be used you know and, and actually augment some of our tier one guys and then that trickled down into the the regular tier three you know the green rays rangers yeah. vanilla seals what have you you know in the in the oh six oh five oh six time frame so uh, and and similarly, you know, it took a couple of years before they were actually getting deployed and, yeah. and were doing things, and then it just kind of ramped up from there. But you know, so there there wasn't a huge involvement that way. There was a, there was a marine bomb dog that was in the, in the same area that we were in. That it wasn't a mission that I was even on. It was one that that we heard about, and we had been in some situations that were similar to where this dog basically had indicated on. Um, on explosives that save guys' lives. And for me, that was just kind of the, the light switch. It's like, why the fuck aren't we using yeah. dogs? And, and made me super interested in them. So. So, the, so by the time, you know, you did start getting some dogs at least integrated in areas around you or even in your own team, you were pretty open to it. I mean, it sounds like, but I imagine not everybody was. So how did, you know, how, what was your first, you know, working time with some of the dogs? So the, the very first experience I had was actually uh, going through a, a, a several-day decoy course up at Adler Horse. I was a SEAL instructor at the time. The dog team was, was just, you know, kind of getting started or had yeah. just gotten started. There was a handful of dogs there, and they were looking for for handlers, basically. And, and uh, so myself and two other guys, one of which uh, ended up b- becoming a handler at that same unit for, for several years and deployed with a dog and... Uh, there's a bunch of stories of, of his in, uh, in the Trident Canine Warriors book, but it, it was uh, it was that experience that, uh, on top of all the other kind of dog stuff that I'd been doing, which you know I had imported a, a Dutch Shepherd from Germany uh, prior to that, and and uh, you know had worked with with some pretty prominent guys uh, in the canine industry, civilians, and just you know watched DVDs, went to training seminars, working with, uh, you know, sport clubs, you know, whatever I could yeah. kind of get. And this was why you were still, then. still, uh, yeah, I was, I was an instructor at the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, what, but, I guess, let me back up to that. Was, were you always into dogs when you were a kid? And did you, yeah, I, I was, I, I grew up, uh, with, with bird dogs, you know, uh, we had a black lab growing up and, and I had a, a number of friends that them and their dads did, you know, bird dog hunting and stuff. Yeah. So I was, I was always really fascinated by the ability to train dogs to do things, excuse me, that, that aren't genetically inherent, you know, uh, that aren't natural behaviors. Yeah. Uh, and, and in this case, you know, dogs that are uncomfortable diving into freezing water yeah. or breaking really nasty, you know, brush yeah. and, and then soft mouthing something that they would normally yeah. eat and bringing it back and, and handing it over, you know, just yeah. that whole series, uh, you know, maybe to most people, they wouldn't even think twice about it, but even as a, as a young teenager, that shit fascinated yeah. me, you know, and, and I was just enamored by the dogs, both their ability to do that as well as the human beings ability to train them to do that. And, and I just always marveled at it. And so I was always into it. And then, uh, early on in my uh, career in the SEAL teams, I, I had gotten into hog dogs and, and catch dogs and, and mess with them for a number of years. And that's really where I learned, a lot of the nutrition and conditioning and veterinary or medical yeah. knowledge that I, that I brought into you know my my experiences with 
with military yeah. and, and police dogs. But, um, but yeah, I, I've just, I've been a kind of a dog guy, yeah. you know, most of my life that way. So after you'd been on however many deployments, numerous deployments, then you had the opportunity to go back and you became an instructor? Yeah. So when I, when I came back from Iraq, I actually went uh, to an advanced, the advanced training portion. Uh, you know, the, the thought process was, hey, we've got guys coming back from Iraq. We want them working with uh, once you graduate, buds, you go through. Back then, it was called SEAL tactical training. Now it's called SEAL qualification training. But it's a about a three and a half, four month advanced training portion that you do between buds and go into a team to okay. bridge the gap of you know being a new guy that knows yeah. jack shit, you know, and, and being a SEAL team guy. And so they wanted those of us coming back to go there and talk about and, and teach, you know, what we had learned in, in real world stuff and whatever. So. I did that. I was there for about a year, but I got uh, valley fever, which is a fungal lung infection uh, where I lost about 40% of my lung capacity. And so um, because of that, I, uh, I was in a, a bit of a precarious spot and that it, it was recommended that I get medically retired by the infectious disease yeah. captain yeah. At, at Balboa Naval Hospital. And uh, I asked him, you know, hey, is there a way that we can not have me medically retired and just stay in? Because at that point, my first child was on the way. I didn't have a college degree. I had planned yeah. on staying in and, and being there a while. I, I had no no real plan B. And so the master chief uh, that I worked for at the time basically just, just worked a deal out with the, uh, with the BUDS master chief and, and sent me there for my remaining three years in the Navy. Uh, and then that's uh, the, the time that I spent as an instructor. So there I, I went to night school and got my degree at, at the time, ironically in criminal justice, uh, which I'm sure a lot, a lot of you guys can yeah. relate to, but I, I wanted to have something you yeah. know, as well. I was just kind of a plan to get out and, and all that. So yeah, I got, got the degree, spent three years, had two kids and, uh, what, and then what, were, you think, what were you thinking for a plan when you got out? Were you thinking about being a cop or anything or? No, I mean, I, the, the dog thing was always, um, yeah. the, the long game goal. It was just, what do I need to do between springboarding out of the military and, and actually doing that? So, so um, that's, you know, when, and, that's when you probably started meeting some people. Southern California is a good place for even yeah. know, dog training, civilian dog training, go to the horse and. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I, I spent, you know, that time there, you know, doing everything I could and. Uh, and like I said, I, you know, I went to the Adler horse thing and, and that, that the same, you know, the West Coast multi-purpose canine program offered after that, you know, said, Hey, we'd love to have you come be a handler. Uh, you know, would you do it? And at that time it was, a, it was a really tough decision to decide either, you know, stay in and be a handler and go deploy with a dog or get out, start my own company and, yeah. and go that route. And, uh, you know, that was a big fork in the road. But for me, that the biggest factor of that decision was, was my uncertainty as it related to me being able to actually augment the, the community from a health standpoint is sure. that I, I was not that confident in my ability sure. considering that they, they tried to medically retire me. Yeah. You know, it, it was, I, I didn't feel good about, you know, going back into that environment and, and potentially putting, you know, the, the brotherhood, yeah. if you yeah. will, at that risk of, of not being able to fucking do it, you know? And so I, I said, you know, difficult I, decision. I'm, I'm sure. It, it was. Um, I, I will say that, you know, really most of my adult life, I've always kind of looked at at every decision uh, as a what, what's given me the best, the best or most bang for my buck. And yeah. I felt like 
you know, as much as I wanted to, to just have to worry about one dog and be able to go deploy. And, and to me, that's like the best of everything. Yeah. It's the community I, I love and have spent, you know, over a decade in, uh, in conjunction with dogs and getting to go be a, a you know, a one man or, or one man, one dog team. Uh, you know, to me, that sounded like a wet dream. Yeah. But one, I was, I was unsure of my ability to do it. And two, I also felt like as, as cool as that would be, I felt like I could have a greater impact by starting my own company and actually running courses, importing yeah. dogs, you know, doing it at a larger scale and having a bigger impact that way. Yeah. So, uh, naturally that that's what I chose to do. And, uh, and I, I will say, I, I, I really truly legitimately do not have any regrets. Uh, you know, there are times where, um, you know, I've thought like, yeah, it would have been cool to have these experiences or whatever, but it's, it's quickly dissipated by, knowing that if I had done that, I wouldn't be where I am now, sure. you know, and, and I, yeah. and I wouldn't, wouldn't change that. I, I couldn't be happier. And, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really, really happy with how things have panned out. So, yeah, so I'm not a, a big regrets guy. Either, no, but. no, you gotta, gotta go with what you do. So, um, did you, was, when you first set up your business, Tricos, was that where you're at now in Texas? Yeah. So, I mean, I, when I got out, um, I, I took, I actually took a job with Exxon Mobil for less than a year. It was about nine, 10 months. And that was that, that springboard of, yeah. okay, I'm out of the military. I, I have a, a consistent salary. I have benefits. You know, yeah. I, have, I have a family. Now I can get my, my gig set up because at, at that time also I was, I was a, a fucking drilling supervisor of all things, you know, which, <laughs> you know, the, the, the benefit to that is it was two weeks on two weeks off. Yeah. You know, so my two weeks off, I was, you know, pouring concrete slabs and putting up kennel runs and, uh, you know, getting, getting everything set up to, to start the business. And, and, uh, just, you know, once it got to the point where it was like, okay, everything's ready to go, I'm ready to go full steam ahead. But then that's when I, I quit, quit at Exxon and went, uh, went, you know, balls to the wall, yeah. the dog business thing. And, uh, and it was tough. I mean, I, I didn't that's go to school business. for business. I'd never, never run a business. It's, a, I mean, all business is tough, but it's, definitely uh, tougher than some and and uh, and you know it's not like i was known for uh you know being in the dog community or whatever yeah, you know yeah. it was it was really starting from scratch and having to kind of claw my way you know in, into certain places or positions or whatever and, and uh you know I, I i did work hard but i was also fortunate um you know and, and i i do think that uh, you know those two things are are the recipe for success sure. you know and oh, yeah. uh, and if you just, if you just stay at it, I mean, there were certainly times where I was discouraged and got told no, or that, you know, fuck you, you have no business being here or what do you know? Or, I mean, well, I think uh, so, you know, some, I'm sure one of the big hurdles was that people probably don't realize, but I've been, fortunately, you know, I've been over to Europe and I've seen that end of it. It had to be reasonably hard for you to even just go to the kennels in Europe and say, Hey, I want to buy 10 quality dogs. I mean, I'm sure you probably had some yeah. connections, but that's not just that alone. People yeah, probably don't realize that into. you can, yeah, you can have the money, but that doesn't yeah. mean you're going to get the good dogs. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's certain people that, uh, that you, you kind of have to know, yeah. uh, you know, to, to get those good dogs. And, and also back then too, you know, not that it was 40 years ago. I mean, the internet existed, but not like it does today either. You know, it yeah. was, it was not as easy to make contacts with people in, in that regard either, you know, so yeah, you know, again, I, I was fortunate to to know you know guys within the community that that I was from, and, and guys that had worked with with dog guys, yeah. um, you know, got 
got hooked up fairly well there and, and just kept at it and, and, uh, you know, started like, like anybody else starts anything and, and just kept at it. And, and you know, even the, the times where I got knocked down or, or discouraged, I, I used that as fuel to, yeah. to just keep driving. And, and, uh, you know, that, that, that was the, the key to success, I think. Yeah. How long was it after you got your business up and running that you were able to go back to San Diego? So it was actually a fairly short time. I, uh, let me think it was 2000. So I, I got out in late 08, started the the company in, in late 09 slash early 2010. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and that, you know, it was just, it was a kind of a break in period that way. And then, uh, 11 and 12 is when I was uh, back out in San Diego the the company had gotten the training contract out there and so i, I hired wayne dodge uh, first and he went out there as the lead trainer uh, and then they added a position and then and then i went out there and uh and so the two of us were out there uh, during that time and, and, so and then, that was uh, yeah you were then training the dogs for the for your yeah your old teammates yeah and, yeah, yeah and, and and for me you know that was you know, kind of the pinnacle of everything that, oh, yeah. I, that I wanted and, yeah. and really kind of validated that, that tough fork in the road decision that I wasn't sure if it was right or not. Yeah. Uh, you know, but to be able to go back there and, and, and now be the guy that, you know, gets to, to help select dogs and, and put them through their, their handler course and, and pair them with handlers yeah. and, and ultimately send them overseas to, to do the real thing was, uh, was fucking awesome. You know, oh, yeah. it, uh, yeah. it was just a really, really, uh, rewarding and validating feeling to to be in that position and and it was just it was really really cool to uh, to be able to you know select those dogs and, and be in the position to do that and I, and I will say I will say I was lucky or fortunate or whatever you want to call it uh, at that time to to make the connections that I did being in that position sure. uh, overseas were, were ones that I I still sure uh, value and, and use today you know so yeah. that that was really the the big kind of springboard you know into the overseas connections and, yeah. and kind of the big big or bigger level you know canine industry connections that yeah. uh, that made a lot of other things possible so what was the the after you after you'd done that for a little bit what was the next big step did you was the book the next thing it was so coming back you know that it was just a kind of right place at the right time i guess i you know as i was coming back from there was you know right after the bin laden raid had happened you know similarly to um you know most of the country is, is when they when a lot of people found out that there was a dog yeah on that mission they were like what you know they like they freaked out and had, yeah. had no idea that special operations were using dogs especially how we were using yeah them. yeah and uh and so uh, uh you know mcmillan a subsidiary of mcmillan st martin's press uh, approached me uh, so it wasn't like i said hey i want to write a book and yeah. let me write it and then pitch it it kind of worked the opposite yeah. way yeah. where they approached me and said you know hey you know you spent 12 and a half years as a seal you you know you, you own your own company you've trained the dogs and, and whatever we would love to to do kind of a you know special operations working dog 101 kind of book and, and share stories from handlers and, and talk about you know the training process and, and your involvement and all this other shit uh, with with some of your background and and kind of if you want to call it a, a biography or, yeah. or a memoir or whatever yeah. kind of mix, mixed in yeah. also and you know for me it, it was not something that i agreed to uh right away yeah 
in, in fact, the, the first response was, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably not interested. I appreciate it, but, but I'm not sure that I want to, you know, do that. I, I don't really want to be in the limelight or have my name out there being synonymous with, with being a seal and be public about it, you know? And, but again, I, you know, in kind of thinking of the, you know, most bang for your buck is that sure. it seemed like a good opportunity to, to dispel a lot of myths and educate people on, uh, on what we're doing. And, and I thought about it primarily also from the same standpoint of, you know, going back, uh, you know, 15, 20 years prior when I was a teenager reading these books. And, and a lot of that is what drove me and inspired me to, to join the Navy and be a yeah. SEAL. And, and I thought, you know, it would be a, a really cool opportunity to be in a position to write a book that, you know, some 13 year old sure. kid reads and says, I want to fucking do that when I grow up. That sounds up. cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, so ultimately I, I decided to do it obviously. And, and, uh, you know, again, I just, you know, I think it was a, a, a large part of just being in the right place at the right yeah. time and, and being fortunate. But the, the book uh, also got the attention of 60 Minutes, uh, which decided they wanted to, in the same vein, do a, yeah. a, a, a piece on it. Uh, and so they came and spent a week, you know, filming everything under the sun and, and interviewing me. And, and you know, they, the episode is called Sniffing for Bombs. And, and it came out uh, right around the same time that the book did, which you couldn't ask for a better oh, yeah. better promotion so they, that they, way. And they both help each other. So, yeah. You know, so this the book, you know, was on the New York Times uh, list and uh, and the episode did really well. And, and that kind of catapulted every, everything I can imagine. I can imagine. that I had going on, as well as the Warrior Dog Foundation. You know, at that yeah. point, we'd, we'd already been taking dogs for a couple of years and and it just all kind of fit together like pieces of a puzzle and, and made sense. And, uh, and then, so I'm sure you're familiar with scholastic, the book program, the, the little mm -hmm. handouts that they give yeah. kids in, in elementary and junior high, they approached uh, us about doing a, a young adult uh, version of Trident Canine Warrior. So, so we did that. And, and again, it was just, it was really, really cool to be uh, in a position where Navy seal dogs, which is the same book. It's just, again adapted for yeah. a younger audience yeah. um was in the scholastic oh yeah little like uh newspaper style handouts yeah uh for my kids when they were in elementary school <laughs> my you know their, their dad's yeah. book was, uh, was in my the, dad the wrote this all of their, yeah. yeah like uh, they're like oh it's the same last name like, that's <laughs> my dad and they're like bullshit <laughs> you know but uh but yeah so it's just you know like you couldn't ask for a a better scenarios just I feel, yeah. again really really fortunate and i'm super grateful to, to have been in that position and and that did really really well and then uh, penguin uh offered to do a training book and that's where uh, you know the team dog yeah. book came from and then that led to online training because people were like hey this book is awesome uh you know would you do an yeah. online training thing about it like sure uh you know and then the products and, and uh you know everything is just kind of kind of snowballed into yeah, and into other stuff that made sense. And, you know, there's been things that I've tried that, that haven't worked, that have failed and shit canned them and stopped doing yeah. them and, you know, or have had to make significant pivots, uh, yeah. you know, in, in certain portions of my career and then what have you. But, um, you know, but I, I just uh, have always kept kept yeah. at it. And, and Is the, I, I, I know I talked to you a couple of years back and you were telling me the online part of your, your business was, was a, a big part and a big time, kind of big time suck at the time. Is that still yeah. kind of the same thing? Is it? It's it's yeah. It's still a big part of it. I wouldn't say it's it's as big. Um, 
resource wise, or, or I, I guess maybe a better way to put it is it doesn't feel as big because of, you know, the food treats and supplements yeah. is, is so much bigger in every way as far as w- what it yeah. takes to make that happen, that it, that it certainly makes the online thing not feel like it's, it's nearly as yeah. bandwidth heavy, but, um, but it's, it's still, you know, plugging away and, and I, you know, my, my involvement in this is, is getting into the forums every Monday morning and, and answering questions and yeah. interacting with, with the subscribers and, and uh, helping them with their dogs, you know? Yeah. So, you know, the, from a content standpoint, I mean, you can always add stuff, but you know, for the most part, it's kind of like that there's only so many different yeah. ways you can say the same thing. And yeah. so, you know, that, and, and in conjunction within the forums, like so many questions have been asked, the forums by themselves are a treasure trove. Sure. Uh, of information there because there's other subscribers and, and clients or customers in there that that get in there and, and answer questions or share their experiences and even share videos and stuff. So it's 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 yeah. really really neat to see the community that's been built. I mean, it'll, it'll be five years in August that I've been doing it. So you know, it's just it's neat to see. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sorry, six years. And I've been doing it five years okay. already. So six years in August, and uh, it's just really neat to see that the community that's been built up and, sure. and how. Uh, cool everybody is with each other and, and how they help each other out and, and uh, yeah, it's just really neat and now i think you know you mentioned the dog food i want to hit hit that real quick is i know uh like it hits one time stand there talking to you and one of our vendors and you were picking the vendor's brain a little bit about some dog food and i know when i was down at your place one time uh, buying a dog we i remember specifically we sat there in your uh, kitchen and we talked dog food and that's that's not just a, a little interest of yours. I mean, you're talking dog food to you showed me how little I know about it. Uh, <laughs> quite honestly, I mean, I was like, this guy knows what he's talking about, and and we all know dog food is important. I've talked to you know we have some really good dog food vendors that come to hits, and and they all do a little bit different things. I've I've interviewed them here on the show and stuff. So there's lots and lots of opinions, but I, I remember standing there talking to you at your house thinking, wow, you know, you're really into it. So it didn't surprise me at all to hear that you actually were getting into the business. So now you have your own dog food. And um, we talked a minute before the show, you know, just go, I, I just wanted to, you know, let you kind of explain that because I think the first time that I, uh, someone had mentioned, you know, hey, Ritland's got his own dog food. I was thinking maybe it was a, like a private label deal where you were doing it through another company putting your name on it. And that's not the case at all. Well, you know, the, the interesting thing, well, for, first off, I appreciate the kind words on, uh, you know, on uh, your thought process in terms of my, uh, you know, dog food knowledge. But, uh, you know, for me, it, it's, it's stemmed out of, uh, out of necessity and, and really no different than, you know, taking anybody that's listening to this, whether you're police or military first respond or whatever, you, you know, that, that your fitness and nutrition plays a, a massive role in your performance. You know, I mean, it, it's most of it, frankly, you know, and, and they're intertwined to a degree with which, you know, they, they can't be separated, you know, because they're, they're there's, a, there's a couple of, of hounds saying hello. Right if there was now. only, a, if there's only a trainer there, that could help with that. <laughs> uh, the best part of that is that, uh, you know, they're, they're probably barking at nothing. No. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, you know, the, the importance, just like with a professional athlete, and let's be honest, you know, the, the, the canines, uh, that, that go out just like first responders, police and military are, are essentially professional athletes. Sure. You know, their, their ability to perform 
uh, you know, has, has their life resting on their shoulders about it. And so it's, uh, it's really, really crucial that, uh, you know, that you both, uh, fuel that, that individual properly as well as, uh, train them properly. And, and just like with, say, a, a high performance vehicle, you know, if, if you put shitty fuel in a, in a high performance vehicle, yeah. it's not going to run very well, you know, and so, one of the frustrations that I had in, in being in this industry for a couple of decades now is that, you know, you, you've got um, all these different units and, and all these different dog food companies and supplements and treats and everything else, you know, that, that most of them suck. Um, most of them do not have the dog's best interest in mind. And, and ultimately they're using, you know, shitty ingredients that have little or no oversight by, by AFCO you know, and, and so you, you've got this kind of shitty mix of, of, you know, big greedy corporations that, that when a good dog food company does come to market uh, and does have a really good product within a year or, or maybe two, you know, they're, they're offered to be bought out by one of the big players and then they switch the formula and, and now it sucks and, and is no better than anything else that you can yeah. find everywhere. Uh, you know, and that's frustrated me for a long time. And, um, you know, I've, I've tried everything and, and I've manipulated formulas and, you know, worked with different companies, trying different things. And, and I also, you know, not just with my own personal dogs or dogs that I've worked with or protection dogs that I sell or even client dogs making recommendations where there's, you know, at this point, tens of thousands from a subscriber standpoint that ask my recommendations yeah, yeah. on certain things. Uh, but, but then there's also, you know, hundreds of, of retired dogs that if there's a group of dogs that gives you a better mirror for for how good or shitty a a nutrition program is it's them because they're they're edgy a lot of them are old and broken they've yeah. got you know training baggage they're they're in a, a kennel environment um you know like if if there's a a test for for nutrition that environment is fucking it yeah I, I, so, I never thought about uh, that but you're getting you have your own lab right there yeah, you know, I've got you know not not that they're guinea pigs. No, but the fact is is that, that I have to feed them. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and you know especially you know you know Texas isn't Denver. Yeah. Uh, but I will say that that it gets miserably fucking cold here. Yeah. Uh, I mean it's that way right now. It's like yeah. you know nine degrees with the wind chill right now, and yeah. and uh, you know so so you you have to stay on your game your A game and and sure. uh, and you know what works and you know what doesn't and and one of the most beautiful things about a kennel full of 30 retired angry pissed off dogs is that there is zero placebo effect the, the way yeah. there is with people yeah. you know if it doesn't work you're going to know immediately exactly. you know? Yeah. but on the transverse if it does work you're also going to know yeah. and you're going to see those results and it's going to make your life easier so yeah. uh you know so i've just been in a unique position uh you know to be able to have a lot of legitimate real world feedback and data that, that drives the ingredients and the, and the things that I, you know, have decided this is what yeah. I want. And, uh, and most of it is, is bringing up the fat content significantly. It is not focusing so heavy on protein. Yes. It needs to be at a certain level. Uh, 26 to 30 is, is ideal from my experience, but, but what most dog foods uh, fail woefully at is providing enough fat, you know, and, and a quick look inside of a dog's mouth tells you everything you need to know about what they need to eat. You know, we have uh, flat teeth in the front and square molars in the back, and we're still omnivores. You know, a lot of people yeah. eat, eat carnivore diets or eat a lot of meat, uh, and there's a lot of people that, that you know, with, with a balanced diet are very, very successful on high meat diets. Well, a dog has 
uh, serrated triangles and spikes inside of their mouth. Uh, you know, they, they are, are truly carnivores. I mean, yeah. yes, will they eat ketchup and, uh, you know, McDonald's trash and potatoes and rice and everything else. If you give it to them, of course they will. They're opportunistic, yeah. but biologically they're set up to, to eat whole raw dead animals. And, and in the absence of that between cost and inconvenience, um, you know, making it to where the, the ratios are as close as possible and most importantly, the bioavailability and the quality of ingredients is as high as possible. And there's not a bunch of shit that dogs just frankly uh, can't yeah. really eat yeah. with, with success. You need to, to be uh, devoid uh, you know, of, of that food. And, and that's where most companies screw up. It, it's just too low of fat. And they're using you know, shitty seed oils or uh, you know, certain filler ingredients to, to, to buffer um, you know, the, the stool quality in, in a dog and, it, and it's kind of a manufactured result you know and, and so yeah. what i've been really really happy with in, in the, the the four different formulas that we currently have and we're working on uh, one or two more is the results you know i mean that that's where the proof is in the pudding yeah. again yeah. you know dogs aren't going to lie to you and frankly owners aren't going to lie to you you know i mean if they oh, spend yeah. I'll let you, know. you know 70 80 bucks on a bag of food and, and their dog has the shits and their coat is dull and they're and they're losing hair and their eyes are are uh, you know, dull and then their teeth are, are nasty. They're not going to buy your food, you yeah. know, and, and to, to see the success that it's had and the, and the, you know, well over a thousand, we've got almost 1500 five-star reviews in, in less than a year. You know, we've only had yeah. the food out for about eight months and, uh, you know, to see the, the results that people that, that don't know me from anybody and, and bought the food based on an ad or because somebody recommended it to them or they saw a dog with a really pretty coat and they're like, wow, do you feed the dog? And they tell them and, and just seeing that kind of organic, you know, steamroll or or cascade of, of uh, word of mouth is, is sure. really really validating and rewarding, and, and it makes the the several years that I that I've spent over the last several years kind of putting all this together and trying a lot of different things out, uh, you know, really really worth it, and, and it's awesome to see. And you know, for me, like I've already had companies try to uh, try to come in and say you know hey what, what do you want for that and i'm not doing it you know wh while it is a business i'm not doing it to try to retire yeah um, you know i'm doing it because i got tired of getting the the shell game yeah. fucking bait and switch every time i found a good food and two years later it sucked yeah uh, you know and, and so i'm not interested in, in that you know and uh and i just you know i'm, I'm very passionate about it and uh, and i, I want to see it uh, you know continue to get in the hands of of working professionals so we we actually will be at that hits this year with uh with our food at a, at a booth and and uh i think we're gonna have will chesney there signing some of his books and oh cool yeah i mean so um you know it's, and, it's and something i'll, that I'll throw it out there that you know for for the people who are coming to hits you know stop by and talk to mike because yeah. i mean i guess I, I don't think you'll take offense if i called you a, a dog food geek because no I mean, you, you i've read labels and i've talked to people about them but uh you definitely know your stuff clearly. And like we, we talked about before this uh, show, you know, starting a dog food company is no joke. So no, there's, there's good, there's, this isn't just putting your name on a, on a package to get to where you're at. You, I'm sure there's a, a lot of, uh, you know, business, business acumen to the back of this along with all the research and everything. So I applaud you. It's a, I know it's a huge undertaking. So I think it's, I think it's awesome. I like seeing people I know, you know, be able to take on, you know, a huge project it. like this. And, and, uh, I'm glad it's going so well. 
Yeah, I, I appreciate it very much. I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it and, and be at hits. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's been it's been really really fun for me to uh, to get into that next phase of of uh, you know a part of the industry that uh, that is such a, a big part of it and one that I you know have have had headaches with for for years. You know, and, and finally get to a point where I'm I'm really happy with what's going on with it. That's fantastic. Um, I, I will say just as a quick plug, it is a, it's called Team Dog or Fueled by Team Dog. It's available on Chewy, uh, and I don't know when this is going to air, but uh, but it'll be it'll be available on Amazon also as well as well as uh, just MikeRitlandCo.com. But the there's there's four different formulas that you can get. Basically, there's uh, 26 protein and 20 fat and 30 protein and 26 fat of either chicken and sweet potato or salmon and herring meal. Uh, of, of both of those two protein and fat combinations. So the salmon and herring meal is admittedly my favorite uh, from a Coke quality standpoint sure. and the Omega sure. profile. It uh, it just really works wonders. And, and we've seen so many really, really good results with it that uh, if, you, if you do have a working dog, especially if you're struggling keeping weight on them or they shed a lot and their coat sucks or whatever, uh, we've had just droves of people that have switched to the, to the 30 uh, protein, 26 fat salmon blend that, uh, that are just uh, blown away by the results. So uh, I encourage you to try it. And they can find that on your, is your website also micritlandco.com? Is that? Yeah. 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 They're, they're on Chewy or, or on yeah. Amazon. And we also have treats that, uh, similarly, like there's no bullshit. It's just chunked up dehydrated animal. Yeah. Uh, whether it's salmon, beef or Turkey, you know, we have Sam rolled salmon skins. We have these, uh, beef esophagus, uh, that look kind of like uh, look and, and act kind or perform kind of like the the bully sticks, but they're yeah. cow esophagus, so they're not quite so hard yeah. and don't risk fucking the dog's teeth up the way yeah. the bully sticks do. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got supplements too. That uh, there's a digestive formula, which I highly recommend for everybody, as well as the skin and coat and the hip and joint uh, formula. If you uh, if your dogs need need any of that, but you know I I, I don't uh, just sell it. I mean every single dog at, at the kennel, all 30 of the retired dogs get all of that. There's a duck topper also that you can put uh, on top of the food that, uh, well, that's, that's worked really well too. That's why I kind of mentioned too that, I mean, I personally know that, that you're, this is a passion of yours. That you didn't just throw your name on it. You know, that, uh, yeah, this is, yeah, all my dogs a, get it. Yeah. There's a passion there. So it's, I, I think it's fantastic and I hope it, hope it, uh, kind of blows up the way all the other things that you, uh, have seem to touch. You seem to, a lot of things go very, very well, so I, I, I'm sure it will, and I'm looking forward to seeing it just get better, bigger and better. I appreciate it very much. Well, we we got through a lot tonight, and I sure appreciate uh, you know you spend all the time. I know you're a busy guy with all the different yeah, irons you have in the fire, but it's a lot of fun to, to talk to you and uh, uh, kind of get to know you a little bit better. So I appreciate it, Mike, and we will uh, we'll talk to you soon. If, I'm sure I'll talk to you before then, but I'll definitely see you in August uh, in Orlando yeah. when it hits. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you. Well, that's going to wrap up my interview with Mike Ritland. That was a lot of fun. I, I like Mike. I've been uh, fortunate to go down to his place. I bought a dog from him. Talked to him a lot at our seminars. Uh, wealth of knowledge. So if uh, you want to talk to Mike in person, come to HITS. We'll be in Orlando in August. So go to hitscanine.net. It'll explain how you register, uh, give you all the prices, give you the hotel information. Love to see everybody down there in Orlando 
hitscanine.net is the website. We're expecting probably you know well over a thousand handlers, maybe up into thirteen hundred or so. So we've got plenty of room for everybody. It should be an awesome event. I think everybody's ready to get the world back going again since we got shut down for a couple of years. Mike will be one of the instructors there. Teaches a great class. You'll be able to check out his class as well as you can go by his booth, talk to him about his dog food and talk to him about any other kind of training. So we've got a lot of great instructors coming this year and a lot of great vendors. More than 80 vendors will be there. So anything in the industry that you want to put your hands on to see uh, equipment-wise that you want to see or meet dog vendors, whatever you want to do, with the vendors they're going to be there so we have about 80 plus great vendors so hits canine.net for any information about uh, the seminar hope everybody has enjoyed this episode as much as i did thanks